Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. This is known as the conversion of the Apostle Paul or Saul of Tarsus. We know a few things about Saul so far in the narrative. Saul is a guy who uh, was there when Stephen was stoned. Uh, they laid their coats at the feet of, of Saul. So he's there kind of to oversee the stoning of Stephen. He's the guy in charge. We know from other parts of the New Testament that he was trained under Gamaliel, a very famous rabbi. He was a Pharisee. He was very devout. He's very smart. He comes from Tarsus, uh, which is a place that, was very, that would be very Hellenistic. So he probably has a Hellenistic upbringing. We do know he has some Hellenistic training and writing because in some of his letters, he uses the Greek style called the diatribe. And so he has a very formal way of making arguments that's very Greek and very Roman. So he's been trained in both worlds. Here's a guy that can walk among the Roman world. He also is a guy that knows his Old Testament and knows the promises made to God's people. And so he is the perfect guy for the job that he's going to have. God is going to appoint him as the apostle to the Gentiles. And because of the apostle Paul, the world will never be the same. We probably can't overemphasize the importance of Paul upon early Christianity and what he did for the church. So let's read this fascinating story this morning of the conversion of Paul. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in the vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, who, behold, he is praying. And he said, in a vi- and there he seen in a vision, a man named Ananias come in, lay his hands on him, so that he might remain, uh, regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. So some interesting things here in the reading. First of all, we know that Saul 
is going to Damascus to root out any believers in Jesus Christ. They do not want this movement to spread from Jerusalem to other parts and infect the synagogues. So they're specifically going to synagogues, which are the Jewish places of worship that you would find in various cities. The synagogues were set up much like churches. Uh, The leadership even in some ways was similar to a church. You would have a group of people like elders over each synagogue. And so he would go to these places and just imagine uh, churches to give you kind of an image of what a synagogue would be like made up of Jews trying to find these believers in Jesus Christ and to cast them into jail. One interesting note is he's going after men and women. Now that's a a change in how Jews would have done things. Typically Jews would not have gone after women, uh, but there's something different about the Christian women. They're going to go after the women also. And some look at this as women have full uh, rights in the Christian church. Whereas in Judaism, that would not be true. But in the Christian movement, women would be considered equals in the Lord. And so that makes them a target also for Paul. So that's an interesting point, a departure from ancient practices here. They're going after the women and the men. Then he has this vision. Now, there's a lot of conjecture about what Paul is doing as he's going along here, riding along on the road to Damascus. There's one theory, and I don't have time today to kind of lay out exactly how this goes, but the the theory is that he's doing a a very common Pharisee meditation. The Pharisees had certain prayer practices and meditations they would do. Uh, You find this maybe like among people like Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox, they have meditation practices. Uh, One thing that, that Catholics do is they have the Ignatian prayer practice where they meditate on certain things. And the thing that Paul would be doing here on the road to Damascus would be very similar to Ignatian prayer practice. And what that was is he would think about an event from the Old Testament, a mystery that could not be solved. And he would meditate on that specific event over and over again, hoping that God would reveal the answer to him to the mystery. And so what many scholars believe is Paul may be doing the meditation on Ezekiel chapter 1. Remember, Ezekiel had this uh, throne chariot that could fly. And there's this rider of the chariot that's mysterious, but the rider is probably known to be the Lord himself. So Paul is probably working his mind's eye up that throne chariot, looking or thinking about it in his mind deeply, meditating on it. And when he reaches the very top, the pinnacle, and who is riding the chariot, it's Jesus. He's the one who speaks to him and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, it may not be that at all. It may just be that Jesus blinds him with light automatically and Paul's riding along thinking about what he's about to do in Damascus. Who knows? But we do know Jesus speaks to him directly. He's knocked to the ground by the experience. Something knocks him to the ground of the majesty of the Lord. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, why are you persecuting my people? Why are you persecuting me? There's this deep relationship the Lord has with his churches. We see this in the book of Revelation where the churches are like lampstands, and he's walking among those lampstands. He is among his people. He knows the situation on the ground for his churches. So Jesus is intimately connected to his people. Saul's not persecuting some abstract group. Saul is persecuting the church, which is, in the words of Jesus, him. He is there with his people. So it says he's persecuting Jesus himself. So for three days, Paul does not eat or drink. You can imagine that. And he can't see. And maybe the blindness is God's reminder to him that he has been spiritually blind. 
and it's time for him to think and contemplate. And maybe he's thinking through it this time, you know, this Jesus thing that's been going on. Have I been wrong? What have I missed in the Old Testament? Maybe he's going through this idea of the suffering servant in Isaiah. You know, how would God uh, fulfill all these promises that just don't make any sense? And now he's having to grapple with the Messiah was crucified, but he's been resurrected. And how does that fit back with the Old Testament? So probably that whole time he is contemplating and working through just what did I miss? Now, we do think that Paul had been grappling for a while with the Jesus movement. And the reason for that is in chapter 26 of Acts, Jesus says to him, we get an added detail when Paul tells the story again. Jesus says, why do you kick against the goats? And that's an interesting statement. In other words, Paul has been resisting for a while, but he's been thinking about it and it's been bothering him. and He's been looking for the answer. And now in complete darkness and silence, he'll have to think about it deeply. The Lord forces him to stop and think. Then Ananias comes and as we heard in the reading, lays hands upon him, he receives his sight, and he's immediately baptized. What's interesting about all the conversion experiences in Acts, they're all baptized, every one of them. Every time you see someone that is baptized, there's not a delay typically. Here in the case of Paul, he's waiting on Ananias. So once Ananias gets there, he is baptized immediately. And there is a practice that, that is troubling in churches that I see where people delay baptism for long periods of time or they wait for certain dates to do it. And you just don't really see that in the biblical record. You see people hearing the word of Jesus and being baptized immediately. And I think that's biblical, which, you know, why would the authors write this if that was not important? So I think it's something to remember that delaying baptism, once a person believes and they're ready, is, is really not biblical. And it's interesting to note that after this, Paul will become a thunderbolt for the Lord. He will. As Jesus says, he will have to suffer for the cause of Christ. He is a guy that will suffer greatly, but his reward will be great because of his service for Jesus Christ. Well, I hope these readings this week have have built you up as we've gone through this segment of the book of Acts. I hope uh, the book of Acts is coming alive to you and you're you're getting a, a really good picture of God's earliest followers in the church. I hope you have a great weekend and I hope you join us back again on Monday when we jump into Psalm 28.